Sis, my name is Noreen Foy, and I'm so excited you joined the Save Our Sisters Unplugged podcast. I am the creator host of this wonderful podcast, as well as the Save Our Sisters forum and Facebook groups. We are dedicated to giving women of all ages a platform to share their stories of success and survival in the efforts to build and support our sisterhood. We'll be keeping it real and discussing topics in the areas of faith, self-development, relationships, finances, and of course, empowering our sisterhood. Pull up your chair, grab your beverage, and get comfortable because we're about to get started. Thank you for joining this episode of the Save Our Sisters Unplugged podcast. Hopefully you found it to be inspiring and you've received great information you can use in your daily life. If you've enjoyed this episode, please show your sis some love by subscribing on Anchor, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please don't forget to rate and review. We're on Instagram at SaveOurSisters underscore 2020 and check out our YouTube page. If you would like to continue the conversation, Join our Save Our Sisters group on Facebook. Until next time, sis, and remember to love yourself. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Save Our Sisters Unplugged podcast. The relationship between a mother and daughter is unlike any other. It can be complex, extremely powerful, strong, challenging at times, and very rewarding. Today, I am joined with a very special guest to discuss the particular nature of her mother-daughter relationship and what we as women can do to strengthen our own mother-daughter relationships. Today's guest has such a beautiful spirit. She is a dedicated wife and life coach, and she is the creator of the Successfully Single Coaching Program, where she encourages women to prepare for marriage by healing themselves, living happier, and having peace so they can elevate their life. It is my pleasure to introduce my sis, Mrs. Milana Baylor Amati. Welcome, girly. Thank you. Thank you so much, Noreen. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm so excited to speak with you today. Since I've met you, you've just been this ball of positive energy. You've been so transparent with your life and so uh, in your face. (laughs) And I am here for all of it. (laughs) And that's the only way to be, you know, you have to just spread your joy and keep your light shining anywhere you can. And you definitely have that light. Thank you. You're welcome. We have a lot to unpack. So we're going to get right into it. Tell us a little bit about young Milana growing up. What was she like? Oh, so I remember um, at like age three, I have a memory that goes back to age two, uh, which is what told my mother I was going to be pretty hard. Um, but at age three to about five, I was always super bubbly, super giddy, super happy. My friends used to tell me I came out of my mother giggling. Um, and I just, I just really enjoyed life. And then at age six, things started to change. I actually started school when I was four years old. Um, I started kindergarten when I was four. And I had a really great time in kindergarten. And for turning five and then five turning six was first grade first grade was when the bullying started um and I'm a person who could see the emotions on my face and I would come home from school 
and my mother would see something's bothering me. And I would not want to talk about it, mm-hmm. but my mother would ask, and I'd just break down crying, and I'd tell her the kids did this, and the kids said that, and this boy did this, and blah, blah, blah. And my mother's response would be, well, Lonnie, I told you, if you did this and if you did that, and maybe what you need to do so the kids wouldn't bother you, to, so you can make friends, you need to do this. And, you, and everything sounded like nothing about me was right and I needed to change everything to please other people. That's unfortunate. And to me, yeah, to me, that wasn't right. To me, that was, no, you need to be telling me I'm great and, and I'm wonderful when something's wrong with them for not accepting. What did you want to be like when but, you grew up? like even along those lines um, when you was going through all that I don't know if I was thinking about what I wanted to be when I grow up I, I, I can't recall I, I, you know when you're in survival mode you're only thinking one step ahead of you right so I don't recall at that time thinking about what I wanted to be um I knew that there were certain people that I wanted to be like as far as like my character but not like what my life would look like or a profession or anything. I don't think that came about until I was around nine or 10. So, oh, okay. um, but I did know, like, like I said, I did know my, my, the way my mother responded to my hardships, I didn't like. And so I started training myself to be emotional. And so when I would come home, I wouldn't have a lot to say and I'd have a poker face and I learned how to stuff my emotions. I see. So what was your family dynamic growing up? Who was in the house? So in the house was me, my mom, and my sister, and that's it. Okay. My sister and I had two dads. Okay. Well, that's non-crowded. I had like, oh God, four sisters and four brothers with my parents in the house. So that's a different time now. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It was very crowded. You probably had all the space, had the whole bed to yourself. I did. (laughs) I had to share a bedroom, but I did have a bed to myself. Um, and and uh-huh. I understand what you're saying about not being crowded because you had so many people around you. For me, even the being alone ended up being kind of a negative thing. I had a lot of time to myself because neither my mother or my sister wanted to deal with me. Oh. I had a personality that my mother didn't know how to handle. And I had a physical image that my sister was ashamed of. Hmm. Well, that sucks. Well, how would you describe your relationship with your sister? We'll start there first. You know, she, uh, she was ashamed of you for what reason? My sister was ashamed of me because I was overweight and I've always been overweight. Okay. Um, I, was, I was big coming out and then my mother just continue to overfeed me as a child mm-hmm. um and even had she not done that uh morbid obesity runs on both sides of the family so I probably would have just always been big anyway <laughs> but that I, mean, I that wouldn't made say that I wouldn't say well, that it's in my genetic. Yeah. Oh, that's what I mean to say it's in my genetic uh, okay genetics is one thing but when you're little I always feel like it's the, the parents control what you eat when you're younger So whatever happens in that space, they can't put it on the child. But when you get old enough to feed yourself, so to speak, then you have to really take accountability for that. So what was your relationship like with your mother? Um, It was very strained because like I said, I had a personality 
I said, okay, I'm going to say this and then I'm going to tell you the real. I thought it was because my personality was so much like my dad that she didn't know how to handle it. And while, yes, that is part of it, I also learned that because my mother's self-esteem is so low and I was so much like her, she didn't want to handle it because to this day, she still has not done any self-work or any healing. So looking at me was a reflection of all the things. She literally has told me before, everything that she sees in me that's like her is everything that she doesn't like about herself and everything she don't like about my daddy. So it's like you had no chance. <laughs> right. And what can you do about that at that age? There's nothing you can do. You didn't ask to be here. Yeah. The ironic thing is that the doctors told my mother to, to medically abort me. Oh, wow. Because I was heavy in her uterus. But also um, she had a weakened uterus from previous abortion. And so I made her uterus tilt and they were advising her to abort me. And she said that God told her no. So when I say I didn't ask to be here, not only did I not ask to be here, but she went the extra mile to make sure I got here. Right. And then you get here now. And then she asks, like, she doesn't want anything to do with you. We all know that when we have children, the child will develop the character traits of both parents. What was she expecting? Oh, I honestly have no idea. Um, I think part of it was that she was hoping that having me would tie my dad down and get him to settle down and marry her. And that didn't work. And so now she's left with one kid that she adores and now a second one that produced nothing but heartache, (laughs) no results of a husband and a personality that she couldn't handle. That's unfortunate. That's really sucks. Best thing she did, though, she did tell me this in college. She said, I told the Lord, I I don't know what to do. I throw my hands up and I give her to you. That was the best thing she could have ever done. She was going to give me away. Giving me away to the Lord was the best thing. So I say that me and the Lord raised me. I'm telling you. And and what better parent? Right. What better parent that would send his son to die for your sins on the cross? That is crazy that she really had that mindset. And one thing that my daughter told me was I was emotionally unavailable to her when she was going through things in her life. The time that she is referring to, I was going through a divorce at the time. So I just owned it. And I said, yeah, I was emotionally unavailable. Do you feel that your mom was emotionally unavailable for you? Maybe for me particularly, but I vividly remember several instances where I would want something or want even just to talk to her, maybe just a cuddle, and I was rejected. Mm-hmm. And as I'm walking out of her room, in walks my sister. And literally, I see the contrast of how she treats us. She was available, just not to me. Right. My sister's five years older. To this day, they still live together and are best friends. Oh, wow. That is really crazy because I don't understand how you can have two girls and treat them both so differently. When it happens with men too, I call it the the baby daddy, baby mama syndrome. Yeah. Where your feelings for the other parent are reflected and projected onto the child. Yeah. And people have babies to think that they can keep a man. And then when the man is gone, they want to basically throw the baby out. And that's not even fair at least give the child a chance to live, to have a productive and good life if you feel that you can't do it yourself. 
There's so many people out there that cannot make babies and would love a baby. That just really doesn't sit well with me at all. How much of a role did your mother play in your life choices? Hmm. I can't really say she played much of one. Okay. Um, I have a model that I say I have many life models. And one of them is if you have the audacity to judge me, you don't have the privilege to influence me. Mm-hmm. And so um, there's certain pockets where I've heard her say positive things and I've taken that on. So there's certain things that she instilled as far as how to be a good friend. Um, I remember very specifically her saying, never kick a man when he's down. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- there's certain things that I know I got from her. And a lot of times, you know, the older you get, the more you hear yourself sounding like your mom, no yes. matter how much you don't want to. Yes. So there's times I'm coaching <laughs> and I hear my mom, I, I hear something she has said to one of her friends or her younger sister or cousin or something. I hear her voice coming out, but I've always been very, very independent. And that was the one thing that my mother really couldn't handle is how independent I was. And so when I say I did my own thing and I made my own choices and handled my own consequences to the nth degree. Right. So I, I would say, look, and, and if you ask my mother, she'd say she had nothing to do with that. So, <laughs> so no, not much influence, honestly. Okay. Uh, well, I guess I'm talking about influence and maybe she was the, oh gosh, what's the word that I'm looking for? The catalyst? Yes. Mm -hmm. Some of the choices that you made in your life. Like for example, you and I had a conversation. Where was she in your self-marketing phase? Oh, honey, look, now see, with her being hands off, it opened the door for me to be completely in control of my adolescent years and to go buck wild with nobody monitoring, nobody caring, nobody questioning. So that absolutely had influence. There was also just the simple fact of knowing that I had to stuff my emotions. Mm-hmm. That actually had an effect on how I handled the emotional side and how I matured or lack thereof emotionally. It wasn't until I was in my 30s that I started allowing myself to express what I was feeling. Why not long? Um, you know, everything in God's timing is all I can think of. It, it was a long process for healing. There's layers of healing and mm-hmm. it was a long process, but I finally got to the point where I was like, I feel this and I need to allow myself to express it. And whether it comes out right or wrong, I need to get to the point where I am normalizing, expressing how I feel because I can't direct it away from negative and into a positive energy if I don't know what energy it has at all. Exactly. <laughs> so it definitely had had influence over how I handled my own personal emotions. But did you ever sit down with your mom to find out what her background was like, like what her mother treated her like and how it was for her growing up as a young child? Because sometimes people display learned behavior, things that were right. passed on to them and they pass it on to their child because that's all they know. Yes. And that answer is twofold. I've had several conversations. So it's twofold because one, my mother is very much into projecting a, a fantasized image of who she is and what she wants people to think about her. So I'm only told what she wants to tell and what makes her look good. Mm-hmm. 
I say that because I talk to other family members and I know other things. Then the other side is from what I have been told, I understand that the way she was raised, the way my grandmother raised her um, was very similar, almost identical to the way she raised my sister and I. Mm -hmm. And incidentally, I came out from the same parenting. I came out the way her younger sister came out. And my sister came out the way my mother came out as far as mentality and values and perception in life. So my aunt, who is 10 years younger than my mom, her and I are super, super close. My little inside joke is that she's my real mom (laughs) because we think so much alike. I had an auntie like that. I I did. And you know what? We're talking about mother-daughter relationships. And when I was getting this together, I was thinking of the relationships that I have with my kids, with my girls. I have two girls. One is 27 and the other one is 22. And until just now, when I was asking you about your mother, I never really thought about the dynamic between myself and my own mother. And we are estranged-ish, I would say, but I have come to terms with the fact that I cannot change my mother in her 80s. And so my job is just to love her and to make sure that I can do whatever I can to help her through this phase of her life. But our relationship, it was similar to what you're describing with your mother. So I can totally relate to how all that goes. Then she doesn't take accountability, anything. You share your feelings. There's no remorse. There's definitely no apology. And you just pretty much have to swallow everything and just move on without the apology, just so you can function in life. I wish mothers would definitely think about how that affects the daughters. Because what they teach us is that your voice doesn't matter. And what you have to say doesn't matter. And your feelings doesn't matter. So when we handle our own daughters, that'll show up somewhere. That'll Mm. definitely show up somewhere. Because of the trickle-down effect. Mm. I know I've said some things to my own daughters that I had to take back and ask forgiveness for. And forgiveness is not beneath me, for sure. I know I'm not perfect. I am most definitely a work in progress. And I, I didn't have a blueprint to what motherhood looked like. So I'm out there in the field doing this thing on my own. I mean, I had my oldest daughter at 22. You would think at 22 that I would know some things, but this is the point of this (laughs) podcast episode. It's because there's a lot of things that mothers and daughters go through that are swept under the rug. And we really need to address that because we're both women. Women go through a lot in life. And if you don't have a female figure to pour into you, then how are you supposed to pour into your offspring or any other children that they may bring around or any other woman that you may bring around? So you always have to have the percolator to pour into other people's cup. (laughs) But you have to have substance within yourself in order to be able to do that. So I feel like she was taking all your substance away. Well, here's the thing. I know for a fact there had to have been a battle within her. Because there was a hypocrisy in in that very thing of, like you said, her taking away from me and and how she treated me, the message was, your voice doesn't matter. But out of her mouth, what I remember her is always admonishing me to watch what I say, because when I open my mouth and I speak, people listen. Mm -hmm. She knew that I had a powerful voice. She knew that I was gifted. She knew that I was on a special assignment from God. She knew that. And so she tried to speak into that, but she could not cultivate that. She could not nurture within me. 
Right. And so it was, it was like a dichotomy there. I'm very grateful that I knew how to eat the meat and spit out the bones, if you will. Absolutely. <laughs> um, <laughs> because I can look back at our relationship and I can see the faults, but I also can see the, the nuggets and the, the treasures and the gems that she dropped here and there. Mm-hmm. Not bitter. Um, it is what it is. These are the facts that made me. And there's no remorse, no regret, because every path is paved by every pebble that's put down. That's a lot of alliteration. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Makes sense, though. I'm with it. It's true. And, and without certain pebbles, you'll have holes in your path. Exactly. In our previous conversation, you shared that your grandma helped raise you and she passed when you were 10 years old. Do you think your life would have been if she were still alive? Ooh. Um, (laughs) My grandmother was the only one in the family that protected me. I was being molested by a male and a female. Um, The female was in the family and when they were done, a male outside of the family molested me. I'm my so grandmother sorry. also protected. Thank you. My grandmother also protected me from harsh words that she saw coming from my mom and my sister, but also when we were out in public. And my grandmother was probably the only one in the family that spoke encouraging, edifying words to me. Like my mother would call me sweet, which you know, yeah, my personality. Um, but my grandmother would call me beautiful. I was her fudge drop. <laughs> um, yeah, my grandmother was the only person who like built up my self-esteem and spoke positive to me. I was her chocolate bunny and her fudge drop and she loved on me and just really encouraged me. That was my angel. That was my friend. She was always up for me cuddling with her, which I couldn't get from my mom so much. Right. And at 10, she, she was always sickly for, for as much as I knew for my life. She didn't have a kidney. So I remember going to dialysis with her. I remember, I don't know how they do it now, but back then in the eighties, they did it in such a way that there was a kind of like a a really thick vein going up her arm. I used to call it the railroad track. (laughs) I used to always revel in it. I have nothing but amazing memories of of my grandma. And I'm loving the smile on your face. The audience won't be able to see it, but I'm loving the smile on your face when you talk about your grandma. Okay, so let's switch gears for a little bit. So how did you meet your wonderful husband? Um, So I wasn't thinking about a man. Definitely wasn't thinking about a relationship. Didn't even talk to men on the phone as friends. And there was a particular neighbor of mine that lived in the same apartment community. And she had been watching me, not, not in a stalkerish kind of way, but just out of curiosity, she was a single female and she would always see me coming and going. And come to find out she was a minister. So oh. She was kind of watching my lifestyle to see if I was somebody who she could relate to. One day she spoke to me and uh, introduced herself. Uh, she was from South Africa and I just, I have this affinity for Africans. <laughs> and so I was really excited to talk to her and we started hanging out and she'd had uh, a bout with cancer before. And during that time, there was a couple at her church that took really good care of her. And they became really good friends. So one day she told me, she said, I have a husband for you. I have a man for you. That's what she said. I have a man for you. I said, "Mm, you know, I'm not trying to. She said, no, this is a good one. This is the nephew of my friends. She was talking about the couple that I just referred to. Um, So I knew she was telling me that 
these were good people and this young man was in relation to this couple. I believe a lot, it's not popular in America, but I believe in the principle of arranged marriages. And I know that it's still practiced in the Eastern part of the world and several cultures throughout Africa. And then to know that this guy was African, I've always wanted to marry an African. That's just my thing. (laughs) (laughs) And so um, Nigerian to be specific from the evil tribe and the evil tribe is like, uh, a derivative of the original Hebrews. Oh, I'm familiar. And so, like, there was just a, so there was like a real spiritual, like, connection. Like, I I was just excited to, and she had talked him up for about a week, and and I guess she was talking to him about me for about a week, and we were supposed to meet up for brunch on Sunday, and then she fell ill, and I really didn't want to meet him in person without her as a buffer. Um, but after a week of just talking to, I was like, you know what, just give him my number, tell him to call me. Right. And now her husband is very, very, very quiet. He's one of those men who don't have much to say at any point in life ever. Um, <laughs> when we got on this phone, I guess it was just meant to be, we were on that phone for three hours and 10 minutes and he did most of the talking and I just asked all the right questions. And uh, he told me he fell in love with me on that phone call. And I'm guessing it's because he got to know how and who I was through the types of questions I asked. And I did answer, you know, a couple. Um, And the fact that I got him to talk, (laughs) I guess that takes a very special skill to get him to talk. He sounds a lot Mm -hmm. like mine. Very quiet, but when they speak, you better listen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what does he think of your relationship with your mom and your sister you know he is very encouraging um he's a very patient man he has a gift of faith and so he's a strong believer real 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 low-key to the point where I used to refer to him as passive but he's not it's just real low-key he's a quiet storm mm-hmm. and so there will be times that I would tell him about my conversations on the phone and he'd be like, babe, you just have to remember that you've elevated to a different level than them. Just be patient and just continue to love. Like, <laughs> that's, that's very sage advice. Yeah. Yeah. He, he is, he is my best counselor, to be honest. Well, I mean, he's supposed to be, but like, I got what I'm supposed yeah. to have. And it's like, Yes. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I'm glad that you shared that story about your husband, because when you're elevating in life, you have to have the right people by your side. Mm. And so when you've got married to him and you wanted to start Maverick Maven, how supportive was he? Tell us a little bit about the story behind that name, too. Okay, so Maverick Maven, I, the word Maverick means someone who does things completely outside the box. It's just a unique personality. Maven is someone who is a connoisseur, expert in a particular area. And I am an expert at living outside of the box. So I call my business Maverick Maven because I am the Maverick Maven. Um, and, right, and girl. I, And so Maverick Maven is, I I teach people, I coach people to increase their self-worth so that they can maneuver and navigate this life with confidence. They can go through this life knowing their worth 
and setting up boundaries and having healthy, effective communication in their relationships. And that's what I want for people. That's been kind of like the journey of my life. You know, how do you handle trials with peace? Well, you got to step into your self-worth and navigate that thing. Right. Um, and so <laughs> the fact that you asked about how I met my husband, so funny because the course, Successfully Single, my coaching program is actually based on the things that I did to prepare myself for a man like him. And I'm not saying that everybody who's going to go through the coaching program is going to get a man like my husband. What they're going to get is a man that's perfect for them. Like my husband is perfect for me. I got you. And I'll teach them the steps that I went through to prepare me to be in the type of relationship that I have with him. I believe in long courtship, short engagement. And so we navigated that real swiftly. Oh, okay. Yeah. And here we are in our seventh year, still going strong, still laughing with each other, still conflict resolution, handling all of that. Like people think we're newlyweds. That's what it's supposed to be like. Marriage isn't supposed to be hard and difficult. You will have conflict for sure, but it's how you manage that conflict is what really sets the tone for how the marriage is going to go. So how long have you been in business with the company? So I've actually been coaching my entire life. My friends started calling me mama in middle school mm-hmm. since I've been like 11, 12 years old. I've been coaching, Um, but it wasn't until 2019 that I got the idea to actually make it a business. Okay. Um, As far as the background and the information that I share in Successfully Single, I've actually been teaching that to singles since 2010, because that's when I started doing it for myself. So all of what I teach is at least a decade in the making, but my business I just established in 2019. Well, your teaching is still very valid. And uh, there's a lot of women and especially young women that really needs that. And um, what is your demographic, your age group for women? So the age group is 21 to 45, which sounds really, really wide. Um, But it's because my current mentee is actually 21. I met her when she was 19 and she's actually 22 now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But because of her being... 20 and you know in that young age range and her telling me about what her peers are going through and how she refers me to her peers I'm like okay the younger 20s could really use my help also because I remember being that age and being wise beyond my years and needing guidance wanting guidance trying to find mother figures in their 40s like myself now mm-hmm. so I was young as 21 and I go as old as well, I said, I don't want to say old. That may be offensive. <laughs> I go all the way up to 45, which is a few years older than me, um, but still in my peer group, because there are women in their 40s who either have yet to be married or are single mothers or have been married and have been divorced for some time and wish to be married again or are, you know, divorcees or never married or what have you and want to know how to better enjoy their single life maybe they don't wish to be married but they want to have a fuller single life right and so I want to speak to those I've got plenty of friends that I actually graduated high school with that are still single never been married no children and and they're trying to maximize their life um and some of them really want a boo warm up to somebody and I can help them you know so I have that range because 
Uh, for the younger ones, how can I help advance you so that you don't have to make the same mistakes and not figure it out 10, 15 years down the line? Right. And for the older ones, how can I help you where you are so that 10 years from now, you're not still in that place? How is it been saved? Uh, very well. As a matter of fact, uh, in doing my marketing research, I spoke to women in that full spectrum. And all of them are like, please let me know. <laughs> okay. So you've been having some really good feedback. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> Men, Men too? too but I'm, yes, but I'm going to focus on the women right now. Okay. You know, a lot of what we learn as women do come from our mothers. Do you have a lot of women coming through your program that have had some similar experiences that you have with your mother? Absolutely. As, as a matter of fact, um, because I'm so open and I share my experiences, a lot of women are drawn to me because of similar experiences. And the thing is, is that when you've overcome something, it is your spiritual duty to go back and help those who have gone through similar situations to bring them over. And so a lot of the women are attracted to me for that very fact that they see that I have overcome what they're struggling with. Exactly. And that's amazing that you really feel that way because we cannot leave a sister behind at all. Because when you have healthy women, that creates healthy communities. Mm. We definitely need to level set exactly what we're doing as women and look at the bigger picture of what it affects. Everything is a trickle down effect. If your parents have treated you badly, it's learned behavior. You're going to treat your kids badly because it's learned behavior. Now, sometimes that doesn't happen because there's still choices and people learn from the mistakes. So like I said, my background isn't the greatest either. Um, I don't know how much my mother has taught me, but because of that, I am so much more open to trying to teach my girls the things that I feel like they need to know. Like one day when they both turn 18, I'm like, oh my God, did I tell them everything? What else do I need to tell them? Because now they're on their own, you know, they're going to be out in the world. And that was my mindset. That's probably not what happened because every now and then they'll still come back <laughs> and ask for uh, information, but that's where my mindset was at. So I want to go ahead and switch gears a little bit and get into some tips that I found out would help to bring a mother and daughter closer together. So one of the things is be open-minded. Okay. Absolutely. Being heard and accepted is one of the greatest needs in a relationship. Okay. So this is to the mother to help bring her daughter closer to her, because mm -hmm. when you're opening up and sharing and being open-minded and non-judgmental as much as possible, it allows her to educate you of her experience, even if you already know the answer. And it mm -hmm. just opens up the bond between you a little better. Backing her, like backing her up. Right. I struggle with that because I will have your back. But if you're wrong, I will need to tell you that you're wrong. I'm still going to need mm -hmm. to mommy you. What do you think about that? <laughs> well, what I wanted to share actually falls into that. I think a lot of women need to remember what they were thinking and how they were feeling at that age. I think a lot of people would be more relatable if they remember their own experience. And so their words would come out less judgmental and more of guidance. Exactly. Um, and so when you want to mommy, 
if you think back to when you were that age, you probably really didn't want any more mommy because you've grown and you're trying to prove yourself mm-hmm. as an adult. And so um, I think another tip for women is to remember that they've done their best and did everything they felt was right up into a certain age. And now it's time to see how that child applies what they've learned. Sometimes you got to take your hands off, let them scrape their knee, bump their head because they have to learn their own lessons. Yeah. And when I say mommy her, I don't mean like literally mommy her. I want to say, okay, here is where you may have wanted to change some things because then if you did this, you may get this result. So when she goes into a situation, she'll know next time, you know, what talking about is what I refer to a shift of mother daughter to sister to sister uh-huh. at a certain age um young ladies want to be friends with their mom yeah and and they don't want mothering so much they want an older sister uh, you know somebody they can confide in without feeling judged uh-huh. um that there's a shift of sister to sister yeah where that's when what you're saying is not so much uh, uh, mommy you need to do this it's more of a sister suggestion of maybe you should try this have you thought about that and exactly. that's how that's how friends speak to each other yeah that's how somebody who loves you and supports you and and is encouraging and nurturing to you speaks so that's absolutely. that shift right there and that's very healthy absolutely and I agree with everything you say another tip is let her teach you absolutely And as parents, we definitely have to be open to learning new things from our daughters. And even if you don't have kids, our mothers need to really try to do that too, Mm -hmm. because it's a two-way relationship and we have to really keep that door open. Give her space. I'm all about space. Sometimes connecting also requires disconnection. If you don't spend time apart, you may be unable to appreciate time together. And sometimes you just have to unplug. But when you come back together, it's nice. Yep. So five tips for the daughter to bring the mother closer. Hmm. Now, the first one, appreciate the role she's played. Lord Jesus, that speaks volumes. Because there's a lot of times where daughters don't appreciate where the mother is coming from. They don't understand the mother's role in her life and how she has helped them along the way. And it goes beyond just providing food, shelter, and things she's taught you. We still want to hear about all the things that they have going on in their life. But we want you to appreciate what we have done. Which that takes healing. It does. And it takes maturity, too. And that just rolls right into the next one. Show her gratitude. Oh, yes. Nothing worse than an ungrateful child. (laughs) Again, this is for tips for the daughter to bring the mom closer. So you have Mm -hmm. to express gratitude for the traditions and the values that they've learned from their mother. Um, Whether they want to tell her verbally, write her a note. Gifts. Yes, we take gifts. I love a good gift (laughs) and I love a good apology gift as well. (laughs) Mm. Another tip would be to let mom continue to influence you. You you don't know it all. You don't know it all. You know, (laughs) showing your mother that you still appreciate her input and knowledge about certain things and situations, man, it, it, it makes us feel needed. 
you know, it, it does. But you're getting the information from a really good, reliable source. We have your best interests at heart. You can go out on the street and get the same information, but do they have your best interests at heart? Right. You go out there and you listen to all your little friends and stuff, and they're talking to you about your living situation, your relationships, parenting your own children. And, and what do they know about it? It's the blind leading blind. Exactly. And I'm not saying that mom has all the answers, but she, she, has has a, she has experience. Experience is the best teacher. And that rolls right into letting her be part of your family. Mm. See that? We still want to be a part of your family. And me, I have grandkids. So watching my kids with their kids is a joy to me. So I definitely like that. So daughters that are listening, we want to be part of your extended family. We want to be part of your family, whether it be with your husband, you got kids. Yeah, we want to see the babies. We want to impart our wisdom, especially if they're married. We have good tools that we can still share. Just because we're parents don't mean that all of a sudden we don't know anything. <laughs> <laughs> the last tip that I have is dedicate time to continue traditions with your mom. Hmm. And my traditions are big on holidays. Like I remember growing up, Christmas, you're cooking all day long. I mean, my mom, she's an avid baker. So she did a lot of cakes, tarts, all those things, sweetbreads, all those things before the holidays. And then when Christmas Day came, we had all these treats, sugar cake. I'm, I'm from the Caribbean. <laughs> I'm from the Caribbean. So we have all these different things that we do. But the beauty of it is teaching your daughter these traditions, because now she's going to have a family of her own and she's going to have to pass that on. Like I said, experience is the greatest teacher. We don't have recipe books anymore. <laughs> You're going to have to be there when I'm making it so you can see exactly what I'm putting in. If you want to write it down, you're going to have to create your own cookbook and not just cooking, just different traditions of what we do. Like, like for birthdays, one tradition that we have is, and we still continue, even though my kids are grown on their actual birthday, I cook the meal for them. Mm -hmm. And if their birthday falls on a weekend, then they can go off with their friends and celebrate however they want. But on the actual date, I cook dinner and it's whatever they want. So over the years, I've had mm -hmm. some expensive dinners, okay? <laughs> listen, my son loves steak. He is his mother's child. And my daughter loves seafood. And then mm -hmm. my, my youngest one, I think she just, she loves sushi. So yeah, it can get a little expensive. But, <laughs> but thank God I have one that was born in March. One is born in December and the other one is born uh -huh. in September. So it's kind of spread out. So I can't. <laughs> I know I had a time and plan for well, it. I grew up on the spaghetti, spaghetti yeah. and a little cake. <laughs> yeah, see, I I just I just like food, so I don't have a, a specific preference. I like food, and yeah, most of the time I definitely do want me some steak, <laughs> <laughs> ribeyes specifically. I just had some the other day; it was delicious. Oh my god, it was so thick. Oh yes, that is it. I was in heaven. So before we close, Ms. Malena, what advice do you have for women that are going through the struggles of dealing with their mother-daughter relationships and maybe want to come into your program? So what advice do you have for them? Um, so for women who have mommy issues, I would advise you to remember that your mother is an individual person who had their own struggles and journeys too. And just like you want to heal and go through a healing process, 
she also has things that need to heal from. And so have some grace, have some grace with your mother because she may or may not have told you some things about her life. And if she has not, then there's some things that you just don't know. And even if she has, there's some things that you just don't know. Um, and so that I say for the women who have mommy issues, but then for the women who want to come into the program who also are struggling with motherhood and, and passing things on to their daughters, know that your healing will affect your mothering and your issues, just like your issues will affect your mothering. And so the question that you have to ask yourself is what is it that you want to pass on to your daughter? And if it's something that you don't want, then come on and get that healing. And if it's something that you do want to pass on to her, then come on and let's elevate that thing. And let's add to it. So I just encourage women to look me up. I'm on Instagram at Maverick Maven. I'm on Facebook at Maverick Maven Milana. I am on Clubhouse at Maverick Maven. And soon to come on LinkedIn, Pinterest, and TikTok at Maverick Maven. You can find me. And if you need to email me, I am Milana. That's M-A-L-A-N-A at Maverick Maven, M-A-V-E-R-I-C-K-M-A-Y-V-I-N. Sister, I can help you heal. I heard that. I almost snapped. (laughs) (laughs) I heard that. I love it. Like I said in the beginning, I am here for it all. And Melinda, this has been such a refreshing conversation with you. You are just a big light and you have so much, so much knowledge and wisdom to impart. And anytime you are having anything like any programs or any type of uh, events going on, please let me know because I will post it on the Save Our Sisters page to let those women know about it as well, because Absolutely. Our, our sisters in business, we really need to stick together too, because no, no sister left behind. That's how I feel right. we need to be. And the reason why I even started this Save Our Sisters group is because we as women need to get more together and have real conversations. This is where it starts. It starts with us because if we want the next generation and this Gen Z generation to be better than the millennials or even the Gen X, we have to really be heels on the ground, stilettos on the ground, right? wedges <laughs> on the ground, whatever shoe you're wearing, we need to have them on the ground and we need to stand in a gap for everyone mm-hmm. because that's the reason why I do because nobody stood in a gap for me. I don't feel so. People might think otherwise, but I know who was there when I was at the bottom. Right. And I would like to pull sisters out that might be at the bottom and give them a voice on this particular platform to go ahead and speak their truth. And just because they're on this platform doesn't mean that they have a struggle. They can have something that they want to just share with women. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes you don't know where people are in their life. Right. And sad stories or traumatic stories, yeah, they can free people. I always tell women in my group, I say, your story can unlock someone else's prison. Hmm. And your idea can put money in someone else's pocket. Yes. So on either end of the spectrum, we win. We win when we come together. When women assemble, we get things done. We win when we come together. We do. And you know, my acronym for women is well-educated, opinionated, motivated, empowered, and necessary. Mm. 
I spelled that out in that other episode, but listen, that's who we are. And we really need to start showing up for each other and grabbing yeah. these young girls while they're in the prime, right in their teens, before they get to be 18 years old, because the world will snatch them. Once they get that yeah. little 18 year old freedom, the world will snatch them and then we have no reach. Right. So I'm so glad that you could tell yourself from your busy life to share a little bit of yourself and your story and your business with our listeners. And I truly, truly appreciate it. And I hope to talk with you again in another episode. Thank you so much for having me. It's been amazing.